Welcome to the Fun Engagement Pod from Fun Insights, bringing you insights straight from the experts. You can join the Fun Engagement Network at funinsights.co.uk and we'll let you know when new episodes come out. We're also on Acast, Google, Apple and all major podcasting platforms. This stuff is the future. 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 Welcome to episode nine of the Fan Engagement Pod. This week is a chat with Baz Schneider, who until recently worked for AZ Alkmaar in his native Netherlands and is well regarded in the field. He's outspoken about the need to place the fan at the centre of a club. Uh, I often think that what Baz does is about trying to persuade chief executives and leaders using their own language of finance and other finite resources that fan engagement also yields a monetary return as well as just being the right way to run a club. We chatted about all sorts of things including the place for data. Tech ethnographer Trisha Wang, she of the thick data concept got a mention and she's uh, incidentally is well worth tracking down. She does a really great TED talk uh, which talks about the failure of Nokia um, and uh, and why also it's important to learn from other industries about how they treat people. I hope you enjoy this episode. I certainly did. And I, uh, but you know, look, I've got someone like you on here. You've you've you're an interesting individual for me, Baz, because when I first spoke to you, um, when we did a conference in Warsaw, yeah, last year, I think it was, wasn't this it? This first face-to-face <laughs> meeting. Yes, first time we met. Yeah. met. Um, I just assumed that you were someone that worked quite in a very senior role in a football club. And what I discovered was that you were someone who was what we would call beavering away yeah. um, uh, at, at your club. And if I, you know, I hope you don't mind me saying this. I think I certainly felt that you were too small for that place and that you needed the opportunity to really get out and start doing what you do in a in a you know you 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 are you are a slightly different mindset to me in terms of data and marketing you come mm-hmm. from a slightly different area but we share a very similar outlook and i felt that you were being constrained in your old role so what what you know what um yeah. what what was it you used to do in your old role and and um and and, and why why did you take the approach why do you take the, pro- the approach to fan engagement that you do yeah, um, well, that goes a long way back when, uh, of course, I, I was a football fan, um, still am, but when I started to become a football fan myself and I started to have a season ticket for Ajax, um, I was also studying a sports marketing degree at the time. Uh, it was a bachelor's degree and I felt I, uh, it was always around hospitality and always around sponsors and getting the right caviar exposure, whatever. Not in my interest. I was a football fan who had a season ticket, went to the stadium every week, but still, for some reason, sports marketing was not about me. It, it net, nothing were, uh, resonated to me. So what I, um, that, that just was parked in my head and I was not uh, specifically uh, thinking, okay, I will go into the fan direction. But after that marketing uh, degree, I went to uh, Australia uh, because the, the, the previous crisis was still going on. Uh, that was the, 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 the debt uh, crisis. Um, 
And so there were no roles in sports anyways. And uh, I always had this teacher that said, go to Australia, it's the Mecca of sports. So I went there and apart from uh, doing some uh, uh, work at a couple of uh, major sports events and, uh, and some venues, I, was, I also uh, got to the point where I was uh, approached on LinkedIn to become uh, the online communication manager of a, of a conference. Sure, why not? I'm in Australia, I'll fly over to Sydney, stay there in a hotel for a couple of days and work at the conference, uh, tweeting out uh, stuff that's happening. Fine. Now, what actually happened there is that that conference was about achieving bigger crowds. And it piqued my interest a bit because of the micro frustrations that I had as a fan myself, very unpolite experience inside the stadium, uh, bad beer, bad burgers, everything. So, and that conference was all, all of a sudden about Manchester City saying how they measure the customer journey. Terrible term actually, but you get the point from a marketing perspective. How, how were the fans valuing uh, what they got from the, from the match day? Um, there was Seattle Sounders that did the same. They had this, this fan board where fans were taking place. Uh, fans were elected into some sort of a board and they were able to share their opinion uh, on big decisions that the club was making. I found that fantastic. And uh, because that, that re I, it really resonated with, the, again, the micro frustrations that I had myself as a football fan. So um, after a year in Australia, I went back to the Netherlands, set up my own shop, my own consultancy, because that mindset was something I've, I had never seen before, ever. And uh, so I set up a fan engagement consultancy. Well, imagine I was uh, 25 uh, or something, maybe 24. Uh, just came out of a, a bachelor's degree, one year of, of uh, experience in Australia, coming back to a very conservative sports market in the Netherlands. So I tried to set up my consultancy, but I was a bit too young. Uh, and uh, the market was not accepting uh, new views, uh, no, new new opinions. So they were still stuck in the Netherlands in the sponsor uh, mindset. In fact, uh, up until one point where I got called by the, one of the most influential people in Dutch sport marketing, calling me saying like, hey boss, uh, shouldn't you just stop? This fan engagement of yours is never gonna be anything. No one's interested in that. And that was for me the, the ultimate motivator. I'm very good in turning angry into motivation that's always a good motivator for me that's that i believe that works for a lot of people turn mm. anger into motivation for me that was the moment of okay wait this market sports market is going to get interested in fans now i always kept my consultancy first couple of years it was more uh, personal branding especially when i went back to university to do a master's degree communications because fan engagement is communicating with the audience two-way communication so you need to understand all the processes it's a piece of social science which was uh, where this program was situated the social science faculty so i would get those uh, that theory as well and all along the way i was always st still um, uh, writing about fan engagement doing research uh, following programs around it so for me this entire fan engagement mindset just got created because it's inside of me it's the fire that was inside of me feeding off that 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 frustration as a fan and feeding off that anger that i had towards that one person that was saying yeah wait a minute fan engagement will become something now my luck super lucky 
market uh, indeed uh, shifted towards fan, more towards fan engagement. So all of a sudden, I was there as one of the first people with Mark Bradley, Danny Wilson, uh, Bart Wiley, all those kind of names. We were the first ones that were talking about fan engagement. And all of a sudden, the market started shifting in that direction. So there was a lot of luck, but also just internal motivation. Okay. Now you ended up, what was the, tell us about um, where you uh, worked. I can't remember how long you were at the club for. How long, uh, how long? Yeah, there was almost three years. So that's after my master's degree. There was uh, obviously my last month and there was a, a job application open uh, at AZ Alkmaar. Uh, say the best non-top three clubs in, uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, there was a job opening there for a marketing executive. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I just graduated, so yeah, hell yeah, I'm all in. So I uh, started there, and um, there were a couple of topics open. They were un, un, unused, uh, data, fan engagement, fan experience, uh, youth marketing, uh, online. There were so many things that they just hadn't done yet. So I picked the one that naturally fits best with me, fan engagement, and I saw potential in this data sphere. I thought like, yeah, but hey, uh, if you could actually use data to, to understand your fans better, to know who they are, it means you can communicate better with them. Therefore, uh, that will help the, to build a relationship. So those were the two topics that I picked. Mm. And um, uh, naturally that I just, yeah, I kept working in that, uh, in that area. Um, which was actually not marketing related at all. And that's where a bit of the friction with the club uh, happens sometimes. Uh, we mentioned it before as well. There's a lot of conservative mindsets and a lot of, uh, I'm your manager, therefore you need to do what I say. Uh, I, I'm a bit of a strange fish in that water. Mm -hmm. I was trying to do what's best for the club, uh, which I did uh, for almost three years. Mm. Yeah. So, Baz, tell me, <coughs> um, I mean, when it comes to um, uh, when it comes to fan engagement, I think we I think we're probably two sides of the same coin. Um, mm -hmm. The bit that I have less attraction towards, if you like, because of my background being public relations and the relationship yeah. management, stakeholder engagement, um, I'm I'm less driven by the data question. What worries me with data, though, mm -hmm. is that um, data. I think probably one of the best people on data is someone called Trisha Wang. If you've ever heard of her. I think um, I follow her on uh, yeah. Twitter maybe. Yeah. yeah. So she, she calls herself a, um, uh, an, uh, a, a, tech ethno a tech ethnographer and her really, I suppose what I, what I like about her approach to data is that she is someone who says, look, I, I believe data is an incredibly important tool. Um, and then she pulls out this fantastic story, very sad story, actually, I suppose, for Nokia. But the story about Nokia, how she was consulting for them and said, look, I've been to China. You need to move to touchscreen. And they said, oh, well, all our data tells us that everyone likes the keypad. Well, yeah, because that's all because you're looking at the data that you're getting back from the customers you've got. <laughs> yeah. You're not looking outside. And she 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 um champions the concept of thick data of mm. getting out there and, and dealing with people and speaking to people so that's i share that view yeah. so what i'm always interested in from someone 
um, who knows the subject of data better is how does data help you in managing a relationship with if I'm a fan and, and, and I'm just frustrated with the lack of the, there's absence of communication. I can't find information, perhaps. Yeah. Um, wh- how do you fit those two bits together? How do you make data work with, you know, data in, in, in the, the sort you're talking about with work with the thick data? The, the the people data the, yeah. the relationship data how how do you pull those two things together in a in an environment where you're being the demands are hit hard on you get more season tickets in get more sales yeah. you know how, can you marry those two things together Baz a hundred percent that's uh, that's why I did a, a degree with social science because in the end it's a, it's you work with customers, fans, clients, whatever you call them. And what she did very cleverly is it's not called thick data. It's actually quantitative data and qualitative data. And those two bits, I always merge together in a multidisciplinary uh, uh, approach. For example, what I did with uh, AZ, and we did an amazing clustering analysis on, on uh, getting the, the actual the data sets and and split them into groups and say okay fans the you're you're either group a b c or d but that's only the numbers numbers can only tell you half of the story the other part that we did and that was uh, again something i really had to to fight for let's go out there let's start talking to these people let's let's find out what they what they want from a stadium experience let's find out what they buy in a merchandising store why do they do it why did they come to the stadium? Why are you a fan? What are you doing here? Why are you supporting yeah. us and not Ajax, for example? And those things are far more important because data can only tell you a maximum 50%. So what, yeah. if, if, if data was this amazing promising thing, we would have predicted in November that a corona crisis was coming up and going to shut down all the clubs and, uh, and probably uh, we, we, I would be able to share with you how many clubs in England will go bankrupt and, and how many will cease to exist. I can't because there's no data. There's no, and that's yeah. exactly the limitation. Yes. There's so many things that data could not do. And the bit that you, and the bit that you, um, that you mentioned a bit earlier was um, the fan board, you know, what we would call mm-hmm. a supporters parliament, um, uh, generally call them a supporters parliament over here where, you have a, a group of people who are taken from different parts of the fan base <clears throat> and they feed back to you. Liverpool have one, you know, clubs have them. Um, uh, elected, uh, preferably even. Yeah, preferably elected. You, you, that's, that's, that's always the best way to do it because it means it's you know, making sure the process is open and yeah. clear and people can, can do that. But that, that bit, so, it's, so really then, you know, it's about using both sides of it Mm-hmm. Um, efficiently and in the you know in the right ways, isn't it? Um, and you know, kind of allowing allowing data to be a signpost sometimes yeah. to say, look over there for the answer. Yes, this exactly. Is, data is, should is, data should yeah. give you a direction where to go to, or a prediction uh, on what would be the right. If, you, if you're all wide out in the ocean, you use the stars to see where you need to sail to, or else you would just be sailing somewhere in some direction and ne- no clue where you're going. Yes. So basically, you're using visual data to understand where am I located, where do I need to go, what's my direction. 
it's that's no different than with the actual the data that is out there and now in the cloud you're trying to use the information to predict which season ticket holder is going to renew if you know that someone is uh, has been a season ticket holder for six years and your prediction says he's not going to renew call him up ask him hey how's it going uh, i saw that you haven't been there for the last uh, three days uh, three matches what's what's up can we help you is there anything uh, are you are you mad at us or something data only gives you direction but that phone call will make the difference tell, tell me about the um the challenges of um making fan engagement something that is fundamental right through the football club and i suppose i really yeah. do mean from the top you know that yeah. for me and i'm sure for you strategy has to be there has to be strategy at the top there has to be a, doesn't have to be a yeah. long dusty document about how you do everything it's what's the direction where does fan engagement live in that in that club and if i'm always worried that if fan engagement is handed to a, a group of people within the football club mm -hmm. then it sort of can end up resulting in in everyone else saying well fan engagement's done over there um, and it doesn't yes. get woven into the being. How do you how do you weave fan engagement in from the very top to the very bottom? What are the, what are the challenges for you in a, in doing that in a football club? Uh, well, I've actually run through that exact process at the football club where I was working as well because um, the fan engagement is something very fluffy. Try to ask ten people what is fan engagement, and ten people will, will give you a different explanation. So what I try to do at the club is to understand, okay, who needs to decide on fan engagement? Who needs to allocate budgets? Who needs to allocate time? CEO. What language does he speak? What, is he, what does he want to see from it? He wants to see revenues. He wants to see, um, in, an, in a different kind of way, he wants to see numbers that shows him, that gives him evidence that something is going better, that, is, is, that he can show that he's helped the club to improve in a certain area and that is exactly why i try to combine data into fan engagement because if you say yeah i think the fans do uh like the the match day better than we do now or that you could actually have a survey shortly before the game hey uh, measure a scale of one to ten uh, these five aspects after the game can you measure it again or after three months whatever then all of a sudden you make it measurable so data needs to help to make fan engagement less fluffy and to to make it um it needs to ease communicating about it if that makes sense right explain that do you mean it do you mean it has to um i suppose the pressure that people um in charge of a football club uh, you know, a chief executive, uh, uh, mm -hmm. an owner, director, share, you know, um, majority shareholder is the pressure that they're under is that um, they're looking at they're looking at digits on a spreadsheet um, in a set of accounts. They're looking at yeah. investment in the playing side or investment in yeah. um, you know maybe developing a service on match day or developing part of the ground. And what you're saying then is is that look to some extent you've always got to understand it through numbers because yes because that's just the fact of running a business but that allows you to bring in the more um we we'll call them ethereal more the more sort of um the less 
the less measurable, sometimes less measurable ideas of fan engagement, which is about mm -hmm. a relationship. It's about sometimes about a feeling that people have. I agree. Yeah. Dealing with people as people and all of those challenges, isn't it? So it allows you to combine the two and almost, I mean, I don't want to say sneak in the relationship stuff because that's got to be as important, but it acknowledges what the model is. And what I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not interested in... in I'm not interested in, in the in the data per se, but if that helps me to increase fan engagement, let me give you an example. We we always did a survey in the beginning of the season. Um, how do you uh, feel about uh, certain aspects? How important do you find them? That was a very good question to ask. If you say how important do you find um, half the uh, um, halftime entertainment? they would value it a six, but if they say, yeah, but importance is 5.5, all of a sudden you have, an, have a measurement that you can say to the CEO, yeah, CEO, listen, great. Um, Halftime entertainment is fan engagement. Yeah, probably, but fans don't find it that valuable. If they say um, that we need to have faster delivery of beer, because they, the, the, we, we reviewed, fans said hey, um, the quality of food and beverage is a six, but we find it an eight and a half on importance. All of a sudden, we could aim our, uh, our focus on saying, okay, we're not going to do halftime entertainment anymore because apparently the fans don't, uh, don't, don't value that as much. And that is, a, that is a bit of a challenge within the fan engagement mindset as well, because for us, Halftime entertainment, for some reason, within fan engagement, halftime entertainment is the thing. And <laughs> pre-match entertainment is the thing. But I think fan engagement means engage with the fans, ask them what they want. And if they say, we want quicker beer, deliver quicker beer. For them, that's fan engagement, not that, really? that show during halftime. Yes, and that's a good point, actually. The bit about um, uh, shows during halftime, that kind of stuff. I remember talking to James Mason, who used to be the chief operations officer at Bradford City, who's now, he now runs Visit Yorkshire, the Yorkshire Tourism um, Board. Okay. And um, uh, he was telling me, we, well, we were having a conversation, I, I remember about that. And he was saying um, that, um, uh, um, actually it might have been Dan McGeechy who worked with him, who I'm going to be interviewing at some point soon, who was, who was uh, a marketing, it was one of the two of them talking about it at Bradford. Okay. And, and the idea that you have, um, you know, perhaps entertainment on the concourse is at the start of before the game starts. And the con, you know, great. Yeah. The concept is, seems to work in your own, in, you know, in the head of a, if someone doing the kind of entertainment side of sports marketing yeah. or, you know, fan engagement. It, yes. But the problem is that that perhaps works at a cricket in the UK, perhaps at a cricket match, perhaps it might work at, uh, you know, in a, in a different environment, it could. I don't know if it works in rugby. I, you know, it'd be really interesting. I'd love to talk to some people um, uh, involved in fan engagement uh, in, in rugby. But, you know, you can see where it's come from because it's probably come from American sports, particularly where, the, you know, where there's opportunity to do yeah. that. But football and... It just Ask your fans what they want. That's and exactly. And that's, the, and that's the part that, that exactly that. And, but you also do sometimes need to, to, to have insight at the start of the discussion about an idea where someone yeah. goes hang on a minute don't think that's normally done in football we probably need to have to think about it before we do it first yeah. and then look a bit silly when we have to wind back and we've also wasted resources and time on it yeah it's, 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 
go on. Yeah. Yeah. We that's that's exactly it. Um, what I what we did, and I, I like Mark Bradley has put this out in presentations as well as some of uh, one of the few clubs that actually done that, is is what I've already uh, talked about that we at the end of each um, each home game to all the general admission ticket buyers, we always send out again a short survey, just asking, hey, how did you value this, 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 and this? And because we did that 17 games, 17 home games, we had such a variety of, such a massive set of information, of answers, of fans replying to us, hey, we found this great, that, uh, that less, uh, but just asking the fans every time, um, how do you value this? Of course, season ticket holders, they, they're there every time. So just ask them once. But then this was an idea that I saw from uh, a cinema that I went to once. They immediately sent me, uh, sent me an email. Hey, how did you value your experience on this and this and this? I was like, hey, wait a minute. That's interesting. We could do that for the families that come once or twice a season to us. Uh, we just sent all those general admission ticket buyers, which is the data will help you. Hey, ticketing data, email address, boom, that's a segment. No one else gets that email apart from the people that was actually, were actually inside the stadium. And it's, it's borrowing those ideas from other industries that is also very, uh, very valuable. There are plenty of things that I'm learning now in, when I'm now also working in publishing. Plenty of stuff. Have you ever heard of an onboarding program, for example, in, in football? I was working on that for a bit. I had some marketing uh, automation programs running with some emails of, hey, thank you that you're here uh, as a fan. These are the, the, these are the three uh, social channels you should follow. But it was very transactional because after that there came, um, there was, this is how you purchase a club card. This is how you purchase merchandising. And that was because my manager told me we need to sell we need to sell bam 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 so it's very sales driven and not relationship driven now working in publishing and also being responsible for a bit of a digital uh, aspect in that we work with a team on designing the onboarding flow because research shows if someone is uh, uh, in the first hundred days if he's actually getting used to the product that he's buying he's far less likely to not um uh, to, to, to cancel a subscription after a year. So if we take that little bit of extra time to onboard a customer, which is not only the, the, the good thing to do, but also uh, for the business, it's just good business to, to be kind to your customer. It, that, that's really helpful. And that's, that's, there are so many processes that I see outside of the sports that the sports can definitely leverage from. And I do see some great examples happening already but we're we're looking we're we're not doing that enough we should look more into other industries especially entertainment